Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's podcast interview with Robert Erdley, CIO at University Hospitals. In this segment, Erdley talks about his team's deliberate approach in selecting an integrated EHR platform, how the pandemic has accelerated the move toward a data-driven culture, and why he believes there's no motivator more powerful than need. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare see your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. Can you start by providing an overview of university hospitals, what you have in terms of beds, location, things like that? Sure. University Hospitals in Northeast Ohio, centered out of Cleveland, is 14 hospitals. We've got about 35 health centers and about 350 physician office addresses. We've got about $4.5 billion in net patient revenue and about 2,700 physicians that are employed with the health system and about 4,500 physicians overall. Okay. So obviously a pretty, pretty good-sized system. What are you using in terms of the core EHR system? Yeah, we've got primarily Allscripts and Cerner. So from Cerner, we use their Sorian product line for scheduling and billing. And then from Allscripts, we use various products, Sunrise in the hospital setting, Touchworks in the physician offices. DB Motion is a product that kind of marries the two of those together. Follow My Health is the patient portal. They provide in that we support our consumers to choose uh, and then Care Director is an application that helps us do population health. Okay. And I guess the, uh, the million-dollar question is, is that something that you plan to keep going, or are there talk to go to a single platform? There have been talks about the single integrated platform. We've looked at the marketplace recently, earlier in 2020. We're entertaining options with our current suppliers, all scripts. Mm-hmm. Currently, uh, in the past, we looked at Cerner's product. And so the combination of the physician office clinical record and the hospital clinical record is the the benefits of that are undeniable. And then with the move to population health, value-based care, it puts more pressure on having your scheduling system integrated with the clinical experience, as well as the reimbursement or billing system is part of that value-based care. And so for those reasons, we are taking a look at what would be the right product mix uh, on a go-forward basis. But it's not something that has to be made overnight, so I'm sure that that helps as far as really wanting to to do some thorough vetting and make sure that it would be the right situation. That's correct. We want to make sure that we're on the right long-term solution because we make all the requisite regulatory requirements right now, whether it's macro, MIPS, the various incarnations of meaningful use, we meet. So we don't have pressure from that standpoint, but we do want to be on the right core transactional EHR to support our go-forward strategic plans. Okay. 
And that's kind of a, a nice segue into talking about COVID-19 and how it's affected the organization. And, you know, when you mentioned that communication between physicians and hospitals, I'm sure that that's something that has come up. First, can you talk about where the organization is right now in terms of COVID? Have the facilities reopened or kind of where you are right now? Yes. And so, of course, we're in the state of Ohio. So a lot of what the state governor has uh, proclaimed, we fall under. And so elective surgeries have returned. And so for us as a health system, we saw a significant drop off in April. And this is going to be true with most health systems. March was uh, partially restricted from an activity level and a net patient revenue. April was severely down and then May, some came back, but we were still significantly down. And then in June, we were actually within single digits of normal patient activity levels, normal patient revenue levels. And so our job is to communicate to our community and to our patient base that it's safe to receive care at, at university hospitals. And it seems that that message is coming through because we don't want to have patients delay their care. And so we're as we go through July, we're close back to normal-ish patient activity levels. Uh, from a COVID perspective, we are seeing uh, the strain or the activity related to the COVID-19 virus, but mm -hmm. at this point, it's within the manageable levels in both a hospital bed count across the health system and an ICU bed count across the system, but we're, we're certainly seeing the impacts. Right. And were there major projects or priorities that had to be either pushed back or that you're revisiting at this point? None that were significantly pushed back. I think for us, and this is going to be true with a number of health systems, it was an acceleration of a couple big strategic pushes anyway. Mm -hmm. So there was a push around virtual care. And so yeah. they legitimized it, so to speak because of the reimbursement adjustments, which occurred in March and April, it became a funding source, of course. And then consumers were confident taking a try at, at virtual care with sometimes a provider that they've had a relationship with for years. So virtual care was one significant strategic goal that accelerated. And then the other was analytics. That's a broad term, but we use a couple of different visualization tools of Power BI, of Tableau that sits on top of our enterprise data warehouse. And since the activity levels were so unlike a normal day or a normal week, it really put intensity of focus on the analytic dashboards that were created to have a enterprise view of the activity, patient activity, as well as the inventory, things like beds and vents, ventilators. And so it, it's accelerated the, the move to a data-driven or an analytics-driven culture as well. Mm -hmm. And where had you been previously in terms of that data-driven culture? Is that something that the organization had been working towards? Well, like a lot of these things, when there's need, it mm -hmm. uh, progresses quickly. When it's a theory, it's kind of esoteric and it sits out there for a while. And so I think many people would say that we, we'd always looked at the activity levels or the finances and the quality metrics but because the intensity of the daily changes, sometimes even the hourly changes, but the daily changes, mm -hmm. there was much more intensity of looking at the, the real-time nature 
of all the data and from an IT perspective, the data feeds and then being able to produce it in a visualization or in a dashboard that was very meaningful to hundreds of people and trying to get that distributed out routinely. So I think it put more purpose to a concept that certainly we've been on for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm sure that a lot of organizations were in that boat, whether it's a virtual care or setting up those types of analytic dashboards. It's something that certainly was on the horizon or always a goal. But as you said, uh, you know, when there's a need, it really does change things. But the infrastructure was there, though, to enable this to happen. Yeah, maybe a couple examples is, you know, in the past, like many, there were many Excel spreadsheet versions of the story. And we had supported a move to an enterprise data warehouse over the last number of years. And we put on top of that, one of the tools that's popular is Power BI. But many people had gotten used to kind of an Excel-based view of the world. As we were going even into COVID, this idea of really running the health system based off Power BI dashboards, Power BI-driven visualizations became important. And then during the time of COVID with the intensity of the data needs, some in our organization have previous experience with Tableau. And so it's another visualization tool, much like Power BI. And so we chose to support both Power BI and Tableau. And so many, if not all of our COVID-related dashboards in information that gets distributed out to our uh, senior executives now are either Power BI or Tableau-driven. And that's a probably mm-hmm. big shift from what used to be an Excel spreadsheet that was compiled, macros run against it, and then distributed, possibly even converted into PDF. That Those days are a little bit behind us now. Mm-hmm. I imagine that that's something where it can be hard to change the thinking or it's a huge workflow change, but it seems like the organization was pretty receptive to it. It was, and it probably goes back to that need concept. And so, right, there was a need to be able to trust a centralized data source and to be able to trust a set of dashboards that sat on top of that. And so within our unified command uh, HICS structure, the hospital incident command uh, structure, within our, our HICS, we ran one unified command across our health system of 14 hospitals and the clinics and physician offices I, I spoke about before. And so that mm-hmm. was unique because typically command structures are at a hospital level. And so it was unique right. to run the command structure at an enterprise level, at a system level. And then that command structure started to produce these visualization reports or the Tableau and Power BI dashboards. And so those became top of mind for everybody. And it was the need of we needed to know what our ICU capacity was. We needed to know our number of employees with COVID positive. We needed to know the bed capacity that we had. And so it was from that need to know that really, you know, almost authorized us to, to really leverage the enterprise data warehouse and, um, and these visualization tools I mentioned, where in the past, because things weren't as rapid fire, somebody might've gotten an extract out of one of our large systems manipulated the data with an Excel and produced a report at some point after that. And it's not that it was inaccurate. It's just 
now we really are trying to organize ourselves where as a health system we have trust in the enterprise data asset and then we build these visualization tools or these dashboards and reports on top of that data. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.